Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now, and there be dragons in the house as we are going to be talking about a new anthology book that's coming out on the 29th of uh, November. Well, it's out now, actually, in fact, uh, as of when we will get this show out to you. And it's a book, it's a new book called Dragons of a Different Tale, and it's got 17 different stories in it. Um, it's edited by our good friend Mads Pyle, uh, Victoria L. Scott, uh, Anne C. Lynch, and J.C. Mastro. Um, so it kind of sounds like a, an orchestra in a conductor's pit. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, you know we got we got some of the authors on uh, with us here. We have uh, writers of A Wild Beast of the West, which is by Mats Pyle and Julie Seaton Pyle. Hello. We have the writer of Chasing the Dragon, Sean Gibson. Uh, we no. have the writer of Spirit of the Dragon, J.C. Mastro. Rock on, y'all. I almost said Maestro then. <laughs> I know, I keep wanting to say that. <laughs> A lot do, but that's okay. Uh, you got it. We, we have the Racing Dragons of Bayridge, Brooklyn, uh, which is by Catherine Dow. Hello. And we have, uh, last but not least, uh, Winging and the Water Dragon, which is by um, returnee guest to SFP now, um, Jeff Burns. Hey, everybody. Great to be back, Ian. Okay. It's great to have you all, great to have you all on. Um, so um, I guess the best question to ask to get started is, how, how did this all come about? And um, what's it an aid of? Is it, a, is, it, is, it a, is it an anthology for charity? Uh, for poor writers, Yeah, yes. I was going to say, if you count us all as a charity, I suppose. No, so... Um, it was all marks that came up with it. Yeah, so I, I had so I went to Seton Hill University, where some some of the other authors did too uh, that participate, and um, at the, the very for an MFA program in popular fiction, and uh, I just had an idea of wanting to do an anthology like this, taking a different trope or um, genre and do a twist on it, um, and make that an anthology, and just try to experiment with that. You know, like you know, I've, I've done film and stuff, so I like doing collaborative projects, and I thought it'd be a lot of fun to do this collaborative project. Now, I I did like thought, oh, I'm not ready to do an anthology. I can't. How can this be done? Uh, you know, I need to do re- more research and stuff. And probably wasn't even going to touch it until 2022 or later. Um, but then a friend of mine who's a filmmaker, James 
uh, Wallace Jr. Mm. Uh, passed away yeah. suddenly. And, um, and uh, you know, I just I think when somebody that you know... He never got to make that feature film he wanted. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he was always... He was very focused on making this feature film he wanted. We did some short films together, and and uh, he did pitch packages, and he, he was all in on trying to get this feature film going. And uh, so it's a real bummer. I mean, it's a bummer anyone dies, but it's yeah. it's really hard to see someone who's so passionate about a project they wanted to do, and they'll never get to complete that. So I guess that was a little bit of a motivator for me to go, what am I waiting for? I'm just, yeah. I'm procrastinating, like all writers tend to do. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just feel like I'm never going to be ready. So I was like, I'll just, here's the idea here, put together a pitch package. I'll approach, I first I approached a lot of uh, people I graduated with, like like John and Victoria and, and others, and, um, and, uh, and, and ask them first and see if they laugh at me or not. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they didn't laugh, so it was great. So they wanted to, they wanted to participate. And, uh, and then I approached Jeff and Francis, who I'm good friends with, and, uh, and, um, and they were excited about it. And we just kind of went from there. So. Snowball. From there. Snowball from there, and we got <laughs> great people. Got to meet new people I never met before, like Sean. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry you had to go through that. <laughs> <laughs> like, <no one> <laughs> my life's never going to be the same now. Well, it's <laughs> it's really, really really you only have to do that one time. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so, so, yeah, that's how it came together, and it's we've been working on it throughout the year, and it's great to finally see it coming out. So. Yeah, well, you know, Sean, Sean's surname happens to be on one of my guitars. I'm not going to say which one, but <laughs> well, it's it's hard to guess. Um, I think I think we'll just leave it a mystery for the audience. <laughs> I, I, th- I think we will because you know it, it is a it is an audio genre after all. So, <laughs> oh, and I should I think I've mentioned everybody except for Cat. So, Cat, I know from Seton Hill who is a uh, she was actually my first critique group we have like critique, critique groups in that program and you employed stories. that idea with the, with this anthology oh, yeah, as yeah, well yeah so we did some experimental stuff that most people don't do with anthologies and then we decided to make it more of a, a cooperative like a co-op rather than us just we'll, we'll pay you a flat amount for your story and get to use it for a certain amount of time you know we wanted everybody to be an active in an active partnership with it and then also um, we had everybody well almost everybody uh, participated in some critique groups and with our stories and so it it was um it was a very group effort which was really cool yeah but they employed it, the things they learned in school yeah it makes it a little in some way huh, some ways it makes it easier on me otherwise it doesn't because i have to organize it all but uh but i think it marks has spent way more hours on this than we really imagined ahead of time that but he would i think it made all the stories that much stronger and i think it made us i hope it made a little bit more of a community feel and and every not just one other project that's yeah. to happen so anyway we've talked enough yeah sorry <laughs> well mostly you but that's not so, um, and this this is out to everyone. Uh, how much convincing did it take from Mars to get you to get, to get you guys involved? I mean, you know, so sort of like writing about dragons. It's so sort of like um, I should imagine you need to have a bit of knowledge about dragons to be able to write about them, right? He had he had me at dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. He's like, stop, stop, Marks. You had me at dragons. <laughs> I don't need to see the whole pitch, Marks. Just save your PowerPoint for someone else. Yeah. Um, no, it literally takes zero convincing, really. Um, just because actually Mark's Julie and I uh, I've worked together before because we're both web series creators. So we were doing our web series around the same time. And we actually did like a kind of a mashup of our character, like kind of a co, right? I don't know what you want to call it, but basically a mashup of our two shows together at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so, uh, and I and I go to Dragon Con with Marks every year and we do panels together and we used to do DC Action Hour, which was talking about a lot of DC shows in the CW. So we've done a lot of stuff together. Um, yeah, so it, it, zero convincing pretty much. I just needed to know how like how the, 
the thing was going to work in terms of the split and stuff, which he was very good about presenting to me. But yeah, I was in all, all in. Yeah, same here. You know, I'm graduating with marks and, you know, we're buddies from school already. And yeah, from the from the go, you know, the, the suggestion, it was, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm in. You know, I don't know what I'm going to write about yet, but I'm in, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It, it was probably a little different for me not knowing Marks uh, going in and having been referred only because we had a mutual uh, contact who shared initial consonant sounds with my name. Um, and so that was, um, it was actually really good timing uh, when Marks reached out because when the pandemic hit, uh, I lost my writing time, right? So I used to write during my commute. I live in Northern Virginia. I work in Washington, D.C. And I used to write during my commute. Well, no commute, no writing time. And it was a year of having my kids at home trying to do school and it was just chaos so i'd gotten nothing done like literally nothing and i was really frustrated and just feeling kind of lost as to how to get started again and then marks reached out and it was this perfect opportunity this wonderful concept and he was so compelling and so persuasive to be like wow this is a really this is a bite-sized chunk of a thing that i can do to try to get back into the rhythm so it was really good timing for me and i was so grateful to be involved um and it was just exactly the kind of thing that i needed to try to ease back in after 12 months of not doing anything thing because I was just trying to make sure that the house didn't burn down while the children were, you know, <laughs> learning first grade and, and kindergarten facts on a computer, which is impossible. Yeah. Um, so I'm so I was very grateful. And it was it was more my concern was more can I actually get this done? So I did have some pre- some trepidation about that. I had no concerns or no qualms about Marx's pitch, which was amazing, but more, can I actually get this done and not be the slacker who is is lagging? Um, so uh, so thankfully I didn't, I was able to get it done, but, uh, but I'm, I'm grateful and it was a lot of fun. And I think uh, this is gonna be a really fun collection of stories. My, my experience was pretty similar to Sean's in that the pandemic really messed up my, my writing habits and just kind of my feeling of being able to be creative in general. Um, so when he, uh, when he mentioned this project, I was just, it was exciting because it was something concrete I could kind of wrap my head around. I also, I, I am a little bit different about the dragon concept than maybe some of the other people um, here tonight because I don't automatically get excited about dragons, but what I did get excited about was the idea of taking everything I knew about dragons and kind of reimagining it, uh, you know. So his his challenge for us, you know, to make it, you know, no dragons, you know, hoarding stashes of gold, you know, in Western European tradition, you know, but kind of try to think about, um, you know, what, what a dragon story could look like in a completely different way. For me, that was just, that was what made me excited about the project and participating as well as just an opportunity to be creative again after you know the the pandemic kind of messed up everything for me in that part of my life whoa 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 wait a minute we were supposed to write stories about dragons i wrote a story that would drag on oh, oh shoot so i totally i totally screwed the pooch on this i'm sorry mark it's my bad my bad so don't read my story because it's really long well he still let you in so you know yeah, i guess that was it was good. okay yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that, I think that was a dragon dragon, right? <laughs> I, I wanted to, do a, yeah, I definitely wanted to do it. And I'm, I'm used to working with Marks in terms of doing some editing on his stuff and all, but I um, wanted to make sure we could like write together. And it was either going to go really well or we kill each other. And um, <laughs> it ended up working out really, really well. But I, you know, as soon as he said it, you know, I told him, I was like, you do know it's going to be a Western, right? And he's like, yes, I figured. <laughs> There's just no discussion whatsoever. <laughs> this is going to be cowboys and cowgirls girls on dragons and this is just no discussion like you, you can have and and i and i said that's how it is and then this is the ending you can have a say in everything else you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh it, 
worked out quite well. Well, cowboys are kind of like the American equivalent to uh, to the old to the old European knights, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. there's you know the, there are the traditional Western stories of the, the lone stranger coming into a town that's you know under the thumb of some horrible and they and they basically single handedly rescue the town people, right? I mean. It's it's fair, and there's chivalry with you know and all that. So I mean, yeah, it, it very much is. I mean, one of the things I liked about the uh, the, the concept of the book and, and the stories that I read, because I've read every single one of your stories, and uh, I, I've enjoyed them all on on you know on on on, uh, on various various different levels. Um, was the uh, was the fact that you were taking dragons out of their comfort zone and and putting them in into a into completely different environments to what we used to seeing dragons in? Um, I think the you know I kind of like Jeff's story because it was kind of felt very traditional Chinese mm-hmm. Japanese sort of thing. It had that it kind of had the that sort of like whimsical feel to it. Um, oh, and and uh, I just kind of like the. You know, quite a lot of concepts in 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 that spoke to me. You know, so like uh, I like the 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 references to uh, to martial arts, of which I know very little about. But it's obvious it's <laughs> obvious that you know quite a lot about martial arts. You've been given quite quite a bit of the terminology using that story. Yeah. So uh, I mean, yeah, if it's okay, I can talk a little bit about uh, the story. Um, yeah. So I actually just before this, I went in this interview. I just came from martial arts class. I just started taking Jeet Kune Do. Um, which is the style Bruce Lee came up with um, a month ago. Anyway, yeah, so uh, my story, Wailing in the Water Dragon, um, was actually inspired uh, by the live-action Mulan, which I had seen a little before starting to write this. Um, so it, it's kind of a, it's a fantasy land inspired by Imperial China, maybe about a little over a thousand years ago. Um, and um, yeah, so it's like kind of like you said, it's kind of like Kung Fu and Dragons. Um, I'm a huge fan of all those like uh, particularly like Hong Kong martial arts films and, and Eastern martial arts. Um, and uh, so uh, Wei Ling is a, is a young woman who's trying to retrieve the sacred dragon idol from her village of these scummy warlord stole. Um, and uh, maybe she gets some help from a dragon buddy along the way and does some cool Kung Fu. Um, but like, like you mentioned, uh, Ian, it's a lot of, I, I generally tend to write a reverent character. So there's a lot of humor. I try to infuse in the story. Like I like that you said whimsical. I, I, that's a pretty good description. I think, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, I had a ton of fun writing it because um, I'm a big fan of uh, Chinese culture and, and martial arts. And uh, so, yeah, it was great. And uh, I had so much fun. I uh, I planned to actually continue it right uh, after like uh, after it's in this book and the six months go out. Uh, probably going to start write some more, maybe write it as a whole book. Yeah, or maybe a comic or or, uh, or a web, web movie. <laughs> oh, you have no idea how I would love to do a martial arts uh, web series or film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the uh, Racing Dragons of Bay Ridge, I, I really like that one. I like the idea of, of, of dragon racers over the skies of Brooklyn. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, but I also like the kind of social commentary about the uh, bigotry against dragons and and the political the, the politics of the of, of of the people not wanting dragons and uh, the move that the the racers were making against that. It was I thought it was really very cleverly done and uh, the characters were really nice. Thanks. Yeah. So basically, when when um, Marx you know came up with this anthology concept, I had been having, you know, very quiet, quiet life sitting in my apartment, looking out the window for like a year. 
And uh, we had moved here during to this neighborhood, Bay Ridge, where the story takes place um, during the pandemic. And so I hadn't really had a chance to like get to know anybody. Um, you know, I had some neighbors that we would, you know, occasionally have conversations over the wall or something, you know, but it was it was kind of a solitary experience. Um, but I started noticing, um, you know, if you've ever anyone who's ever been to New York will notice that there's pigeons everywhere and people have very strong opinions about them. You know, some people <laughs> think of them as like the, the rats of the sky. Yeah, is one, rats one, is yeah. yeah. And other people are, are, you know, absolute champions of them. Totally love pigeons and are obsessed. And um, and not too far from my house, I noticed there was a pigeon racing club. Um, and so that was kind of the seed of of this concept of you know obviously being dragons they'd be a lot bigger but um but of what what it would be like if you know instead of pigeons all over new york it was dragons and you know and people had very strong opinions about them the same way they do about you know but even more so because uh, the, the you know impact of a much larger creature um, with, um, you know, maybe some, some messy eating habits and, and various other messy habits, you know, would be, would inspire a lot of strong opinions, but, um, it's also kind of about how, like, I feel like a lot of neighborhoods in New York change every 20 years or so, you know, new immigrant groups come in, um, you know, the, the, maybe it becomes more prosperous or maybe less so, but like, it's, it's a place that doesn't, things don't say the same and people, um, sometimes can roll with that. And sometimes it's very painful for them. Um, so I was thinking about a lot of those issues with the neighborhood that I live in, um, along with just kind of using my imagination. If, if dragons were part of the city and, um, and, you know, had been here longer than the city itself. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really a story about dragons inspired by looking out my window for a year. <laughs> Bored. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. It needs to be a story. I, I liked it. I just, you know, I kind of like the, uh, the, I can't remember the names of the characters. That's what's really annoying me because I'm so like, I've got all these, and the names are just not stuck with my head, but it's, you know, I, I yeah. can remember the essence of the stories and, you know, um, and and I, I just I just like that you know that that song like tutor mentor relationship that was written so well yeah yeah I um that was that was an important one to me where I wanted you know I wanted him <clears throat> to I really like old stories about older characters who maybe they think their greatest days are behind them but then they they discover that they have a chance to do something great again um, so I wanted him to. Angelo is the main character. I wanted him to have that opportunity with this where he felt like he was losing everything he cared about. But then, you know, he he creates this bond with this young woman who's who's just starting the hobby, you know, hobby of um, or joining that community of dragon racing. Um, but I wanted her to be able to teach him things, too. I wanted her to be able to surprise him. I didn't want it to be kind of a one way um, thing. Um and so that was fun for me to write about as well, like their I dynamic. Kind of liked how he did that, but I don't want to mention it because it would probably spoil the story for other people. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, Spirit of, Spirit of a Dragon by J.C. Master. It is a funny one, right? <laughs> I, I read, read your story last night, uh-huh. and about half an hour before it came on, I was panicking because I'd completely forgotten about it, and then i go back to it and read, read a little bit of it again, and it all comes flooding back to me um and um yeah the the rock band dragon dragon <laughs> dragon dragon yeah <laughs> dragon dragon um i kind of like that i was kind of like thinking mm, is this spinal tap with dragons <laughs> <laughs> a little bit <laughs> 
awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was um, it was a lot of fun. I it, at first I struggled to to come up with a concept for this anthology because you know dragons that aren't the usual tropes is just so wide open. You can do practically anything, you know. Um, but I just drew on a lot of my uh, geeky influences and things I enjoy. Yeah, I'm a bit of a rock and metal head myself. Um, play a little bit of guitar, which I understand you do too now, Ian. That's that's pretty rad. Yeah, um, about six years. Um, I'm so like um, I'm kind of studying mostly rhythm and blues. That's the heart of heart of it all, you know. But um, yeah, that and uh, stuff I've seen in video games, um, different movies. You know, uh, I did a little bit of research from um, you know my love of just like exploration shows. And things like that to find maybe a cool location that some of this could happen. Um, and it all just kind of came together in this this fun idea that, you know, just a little behind the scenes. I originally envisioned it more as a horror story. Uh, but as it went in, I'm like, no, that's not how this feels. And I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. And um, I certainly won't give away the ending. But, um, yeah, I just I wanted to write something that um, was fun and had that musicality to it. You know, I, I didn't want to just talk about a band that does this. You know, I wanted it to feel like they were actually there and try to describe the music, which uh, actually comes from reading a book a couple years ago called War for the Oaks. Um, ah, gosh, I forgot her name, Emma something. Um, but that was, uh, had a whole lot of that about a, a rock band dealing with uh, the Fae. And um, yeah, so it, it was just, it was a good time. And I threw in a lot of little references in there. You know, you might catch something about um, the not so great uh, Dr. Doolittle movie with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah, I cool. tried to watch that movie. I tried yeah. to watch the movie, but uh, I turned it off after about 10 minutes. I heard, wasn't it that the one where the sound was so bad? I think that was the one. I think they came after the fact and ADR'd the whole thing. I think that's when my mom, she went to go take one of my, like, my youngest niece, and she was like, I'm sure if you could watch it at home with closed captioning, it would be better, but you couldn't understand anything that anyone was saying through the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> It was so loud that, you know, it gives you a migraine, but everything's completely indecipherable. But I've noticed sound has been worse in the last few years in movies in general. But this is really bad. Well, you don't yeah. have to worry about that when you read this book. Exactly. There you, go. Yeah, right. you know, we've done film and this is just one of the blessings of doing a book. <laughs> I just want to add, because I got to uh, read John's as one of our critique sessions, and his ending is effing amazing. I don't know if I'm supposed to swear. Yeah. I can swear. I'll just say that. Uh, it's amazing. I never saw it coming. It's so great. Oh, thank it, you, Jeff. It's okay. We just say fuck here in England. So. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, just to wrap it up, you know, there's a location I picked that's uh, from your neck of the woods, Ian, I guess. It's uh, King Arthur's Labyrinth in Wales, yep. um, which sounds like a pretty darn cool place. Maybe a little cheesy, but I'll totally visit someday if I can. Uh, so I kind of use that as a little step-off point location in Castle, Donning Castle Donnington for the, uh, you know, Monsters of Rock way back in the day. And yeah, so I just had a great deal of fun with it. And I'm yeah, glad you guys did it. It still is kind of like mostly a rock thing, Castle Donnington, but it's just called the Down old festival now i don't know why, why i've done that he's he's kind yeah. of doesn't even sound like an event you know that is not as cool as monsters of rock no yeah, sure. yeah that's better that's way better i think that should be the next anthology <laughs> <laughs> monsters of rock anthology um 
and uh, Sean, um, your story, Chasing Chasing the Dragon, uh, detective story, uh, your your main character, um, I, for, I, 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 was, I was reading it and thought, how do I enunciate this name? <laughs> Solaire, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah Solaire. Um, but yeah, um, you know, your story had a couple of really fun twists, so I don't really want to go, go too much into it, but I kind of like the, uh, you know, it felt very Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I, I graduated 20 years ago from undergrad with a, a concentration in Victorian literature and have since done nothing with that. Um, and so I felt compelled to, at some point in my life, um, apply the things that I learned in my time uh, in, in undergraduate studies. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's also funny. The last the last book that I wrote was called The Part About the Dragon Was Mostly True, which I think is why Shane um, introduced me to Mark. He's like, oh, Sean writes about dragons. Um, even though the dragon's in a very small part of that book, um, so uh, so I was like, okay, I can't I can't put a dragon in a quote unquote conventional setting, which was a fantastic conceit, by the way, um, Marks. So I like it was just so it was so freeing to be like, okay, I can put this anywhere I want, and of course, my mind goes to Victorian lit because that's how I work, and I'm weird. Um, so it was it was fun to throw a dragon into that setting, but then also play around with the conventions of of what you would expect in Victorian lit or or a Victorian detective story. Um, I mean, ultimately, you're going to end up blaming the French because that's just how it works, right? <laughs> um, I mean, that's the that's the upshot of any kind of story. But otherwise, yeah, it was it was fun to kind of play with convention a little bit and uh, and twist things around. Yeah, it's a bit dangerous to blame the French in 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 the current negotiations and relationship between <laughs> France at the moment. You know, um, it's, a f- it's a fair point. Um, you know, we're over here eating our freedom fries, unaware of what's going on. So. <laughs> Thankfully, you're aware of what's going on. (laughs) I try to be as unaware as possible these days because in the moment you hit like two percent awareness, everything is so bleak that like there's no way to go on. Amen. Yeah, that, I, I'd say, yeah, that's right. I've actually uh, been avoiding watching the news for about three weeks. I feel so liberated and so free. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just say I, I have an official hatred for Greek letters. I'm just done with them, right? Um, every time a new Greek letter comes up in the news, we're all going to die. So it's, um, it's a terrifying association. You know, I've decided that the world's going to go to hell whether I'm paying attention or not at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've got um, we've got something called the Omicron Dragon, which is hitting hitting Europe at the moment from South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Omicron. It sounds like a transformer. Okay, that just doesn't even sound like something that you should <laughs> be worried about. It is a little hard to take serious. Yeah, I mean, it's like I got the Omicron Dragon. Oh, well, good for you. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds sounds a bit like another like one another one of those Michael Bay movies that no one's going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, that's the problem: is people do watch Michael Bay yeah, movies. They do. Yeah. yeah, they should be reading books about dragons instead. Yeah. Totally, <laughs> way more entertaining. And I think for the most part, our characters are generally clothed respectably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yours had clothes on. Oh. oh. <laughs> hey, Mark, you told us we were supposed to write erotica. <laughs> That would be an unconventional dragon study. Dragon erotica. That would be, yep, yep. I think I just came up with the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, on to our, on to our uh, you know, usual co-host, Mats and and uh, Jumi, you, you you did a brilliant story about uh, cattle rustling, mm-hmm. a wild beast of the West. Um, 
Cattle and dragon wrestling, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like that concept. I like the characters. Um, oh, thank you. And, you know, the concept of uh, of humans, you know, hunting down and, and, and you know, dragons and stuff like that. Uh, it felt very real. It felt like something that would actually happen. Well, and it's kind of in the world where the West, the civilization is starting to kind of encroach on the West at this point. And I've, I've always kind of have a love-hate relationship with those kinds of Western stories because it's just so sad to see the end of the, you know, our Wild West, you know. And it's in this world, um, the, they decided that you can't uh, hunt and tame. You can't tame any more wild dragons. There's so few wild dragons left. That are the only dragons anyone can have to ride and that are the already domesticated at this point. And so just much like how some people are still trying to preserve the wild horses, you know, there are those that are trying to preserve the wild dragons, but also the sort of in general, they're starting, the characters are starting to kind of feel the, the noose tightening around their neck, kind of those who are trying to hold on to this, this way of life. You know, and um, and then, yeah, there uh, are the main immediate issue is they are trying to pretty much stop a range war before it gets started. Mm-hmm. So there's there's two wealthy ranchers and there's been this long standing feud and one sort of overstepped at this point. And um, our characters come in and, and attempt to get hired by one of them in an attempt to sort of they know if, if they fail in their mission right now. The whole prairie where they are is going to completely explode into a range war. <laughs> so, and I do love me a good Western story with a range war. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Do you know what came into my mind when I saw Wild Beast of the West as a title? I was thinking. Uh, Dragon fire slingers, you know, dragons walking around in Stetsons. No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. We have a dragon boxer in a different story. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We have someone else doing that. But um, yeah, these are people still ride horses in the West because in these because there's just obviously dragons are higher up on the food chain. So anytime you get higher and higher up, there's uh, fewer and fewer of the animals, you know. So um, some people are, you know, they still have horses, but others have, have um, dragons and there may or may not be another mythical creature yeah, that makes a huge appearance. Too. Yeah, there are others <laughs> mentioned and one makes a big appearance that is at the top of the food chain that is above dragons, so. Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. You said there may or may not be. Okay, there is. Okay, <laughs> there okay. is. Okay, I just want to clarify. There is. There's the there's dragon's not. natural yeah. predator She's just messing with that. y'all. Yeah, <laughs> Terrible right. to say there wasn't. That'd be actually. terrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, the the dragon's natural predator does make an appearance as well. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, here right. you are on a dragon, thinking you're pretty nigh invincible, and then shit happens. Yeah, you got a one up. <laughs> is, is it Omicron? Is that the it's Omicron? <laughs> Not, Omicron. Not the Omicron. <laughs> My Delta dragons can't take this. <laughs> the Delta dragons are useless. You guys have a couple mythical creature references in there. It's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. Very well done. I love the way the title plays into the story, how it relates to something personal to the character. That That's pretty cool. Yeah, by Julie picking the ending, <laughs> which I at first wasn't sure I liked. But first, I didn't but... care because that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> That was interesting because it helped me understand the theme and everything to build into the story. So, but uh, as we plotted it out, so. yeah, I was like, I don't care, it's happening. <laughs> you know, some some of the best stories don't have a definitive ending. That's that's what bugs me about TV 
and they say, oh, we're going to have a season finale and we're going to end, we're going to tie up every single loose end. Well, you know, some, the best stories don't do that all the time. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah? I don't know if fans always want that either. They, they think they do, but I don't think they do necessarily. You gotta walk a line. You gotta walk a line. I think you want to wrap up certain big stuff, but then I think you want to keep some something in mind for all the fact, fan fiction mm-hmm. later. Like ours is wrapped <laughs> up, but there's like a chance of something happening after, you know, so. Yeah. Or films are, are short stories, I mean, and films too, but yeah. they're a challenge because it's like, you just can't can't weave as many storylines as you might want to. You, you gotta, we weaved a couple. Yeah, well, I'm really bad Three. about stuffing stories. Yeah, yeah, you're really good at sometimes <laughs> it's a bit much, but we got about three good story, yeah. three good layers of the title in there, so. Yeah, well, I, I started, as you know, Mark, I started writing this thing a while back of, of this my idea of mine, and um, I gave up in the end because it just had way too many storylines. The writer's Bible become too dense, and <laughs> so, you know, so I just, you know, uh, thank God the hard drive and that computer fried. <laughs> it's no good to lose that. Yeah. Writers, you know, inclination to world build the hell out of it and give you all kinds of amazing information about how cool this world is you know it's it's hard to uh get all that across in a short story especially so yeah you definitely don't want to do that (laughs) but i think there's probably probably benefits to uh doing a short story versus a longer story whereas you vote you know you kind of have you kind of have that less is more type feel Mm -hmm. yeah approach it and maybe it's maybe it's so like um you know both harder and easier in some ways as well to uh to have less storylines floating around with Within, within within your main story. Yeah, I think you got to be, uh, I think doing short stories. So when I was at Seton Hill, we have a thesis. It's usually a novel, you know, that we work on. And I worked on that and that became Obsidian Monsters. Um, but one thing I did that I don't think everyone does at Seton Hill, which I would encourage people to do, is when we did like critique rounds every term, instead of giving um, to like brand new group for a workshop, like a piece of my thesis, which would out of context that nobody would understand. Very confusing for anyone to read. Yeah, I would cr- write new short stories. And so I think that's that program really got me to love or enjoy writing short stories you got some good short stories i guess i probably it. would never done the anthology maybe if, if it hadn't been for that but yeah. uh because I, I got to experiment with different short stories each each one each time i did one it was a different genre and i experiment that way every time so it was a i think it's a great way to build up your your writing skills and and uh and grow from that a couple of marx's stories are pretty famous among our class <laughs> <laughs> i mean he did like a horror a science fiction a fable and you know yeah it was fun experiment and that's why you know we had to experiment with dragons right so yeah i think he lost a lot of sleep before he turned in one of them <laughs> and i was like no do it it's awesome and he's like i'm not sure <laughs> uh oh and so we should mention that uh, another thing we did in this anthology is a little different than your normal anthologies is i know we have behind the scenes like uh, like essays at, mm, at the yeah. end of the book so if you want to know more about the story you can go to the essay not every story is an essay but most of them do and you can hear from the directly from the author like you know you know why they made the choices they did and, and get to know them a little bit more and i because i know like every anthology i've read it was from you know a mix of authors i would be like this is a really great story and i would make a mental note i want to learn a little bit more about this author or something and then i would forget as i read the next story, next yeah. story. <laughs> but here the author actually gets to talk to the readers directly yeah you know, i think it, I hopefully story. hopefully people will appreciate that enjoy it yeah so hopefully the authors didn't mind writing them. right <laughs> 
No, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great idea, Mark. Um, I'm so glad you gave us the opportunity to do that. It was super fun to kind of to write that and, and share our thoughts and, and speak more directly to the audience, too. And it was a lot of fun. Like for me, you know, I, I do love Westerns. And I had a friend who actually passed away uh, during the pandemic. It, it wasn't from the pandemic, but um, he passed away. He and I used to spend so much time just geeking out over like a movie we just saw or, you know, or stuff like that. And, um, you know, I, I've really missed being able to uh, talk to him. And, and for the long, for several months, I hadn't even been able to watch a Western or anything. And so writing the, the short story, actually, was a, I was able to get back into it. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed writing that, too. I uh, gave me a chance to throw out a crazy wish and hope that maybe uh, somebody will actually take the song that the band plays in my story and, and uh, actually yeah. create it. That would be <laughs> That would, that would be, be awesome. Epic. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Epic I, is the right word. I wrote a yeah. I wrote the song lyrics, which is yeah, I dabble in poetry, so I wasn't too far off of that. But um, yeah, that that would just be amazing if somebody actually creates Dragon Fragon and writes Spirit of the Dragon and performs it on a YouTube video or something. That would just make mm-hmm. my day. I, I I'll, I'll probably be returning to my band in January. I'm just waiting to see how many people die between now and then. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <Good> <laughs> Um, Here's hoping it's not a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so, Ian, are you saying you're going to do the Dragon Fagon? Is that what you're saying? I'll give our singer, who's also a songwriter, a copy of the book. All right. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, and that would check. be so cool. At the moment, at the moment, we're just a cover band, and that's just boring the shit out of me. <laughs> All right. If I have to play comfortably numb one more time, uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I can tell you from having having I, I went through something similar, JC. With my my last book was um, uh, narrated by a bard, and of course, I had to have songs in there, right? But my ability to create music is the equivalent of the chair I'm sitting sitting on uh, ability. Um, I'm, I'm basically functionally. Tone- I played tuba in middle school because it was the only instrument you didn't have to buy or take home because it was too big and too expensive. Yes. Right. So I worked the system. So, so I wrote the lyrics and I was like, man, it'd be, it'd be really cool if I could do something with this. Fortunately, one of my best buddies is a tremendous songwriter. And so I talked to him. I was like, will you at least write some music for this? And so he did. And then it turned out that the one upside of the pandemic was there were a lot of theater actors looking for work. And so this amazing theater actor named Haley Catherine was the audiobook reader for us. Um, and she is an incredible vocalist. And I was like, you want to include this song and the audiobook and she's like yeah so we ended up putting the song in the audiobook oh, um, cool. which That's was awesome. which was really cool and then we also just released it as an mp3 for uh, to raise money for charity uh, which was a lot of fun too but um but it, it was really cool and i think that's a it's a cool um differentiating element and i, I feel like there's a lot of i mean we talked about it earlier a little bit right but i feel like there's a little bit of a kinship between writing a story and writing a song right you're trying to take whoever's listening or reading on some kind of journey and share some kind of emotion yeah. so i feel like it's a similar kind of process ultimately Amen. where you're trying to take people different skill set um but you're kind of trying to do the same thing so it, it marries together really well so i think that'd be super awesome um if yeah. somebody writes that song for you that's, that's super cool yeah I, would... do, I do write a bit of poetry and uh, i have actually turned one of my poems into a song but it sounds it sounds very 70s it sounds like uh <laughs> 
um you know like one, one of those old 70s folksy uh rock bands cool that's awesome that's good yeah. i feel like yeah. i should say far out <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and you know and and um strangely enough um it sounds like the song actually sounds like something that john denver probably would have wrote oh, <laughs> i love john denver and, and it wasn't yeah. even that long in john denver you know it's just song like um at the time I, it, it was just so like do this just one sentence line it was in my head and I thought hmm i wonder if there's a story here and I just started writing and it was just automatic it just came to me it's just so I flowed in and it's real short it's so it's only like um, it's like two verses and there's you know not even a chorus it's just two verses and that's it and just um, in the song format and just repeat it two verses cool. you know mm-hmm. we all got time you should start singing right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a singer I just write but that's that. what will make it so heartfelt <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> The enthusiasm. That's right. <laughs> oh, Sean, your story, Sean. What's what's the name of it, so people can look it up if you if it's on Spotify or wherever you put it at. Oh, it says the part about the dragon was mostly true. Is the is the story? Um, if if people are interested, if they're if they're really masochistic and just want to get the song, they can go to my website at seangibsonauthor.com, um, where it is available. And all the proceeds are donated to an organization called Impact Justice. Um, which works uh, to reform the justice, the very unfair justice system oh, in the United so States. Yes. Yeah. So. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, and there seems to be a lot of unfairness in the United States, such as the uh, very unfair, non-existent social care system. <laughs> yeah, and the medical is just awful. I mean, God forbid anyone get seriously ill or injured, you can go from middle class to homeless in less than a year. Or dead. Or you get Omicron and become a Transformer. Yeah. Yeah. I like that we're joking about this now and then like in a year people will be like, remember when a billion people died from that very <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> age well. Not age well. It's, it's not, it's, but it just sounds so cope. silly. It's it like crazy. A, you know, I love gallows humor. It's like MASH. You know, you I was getting joke ready to say, if people times. if people don't like gallows humor, MASH would not still be popular. <laughs> a little bit like when they name a hurricane like Ida or you know, something like <laughs> something very sunny. Something sweet and pretty. Yeah. I went I'm like Katrina. I went a hurricane Scooby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know. Mickey Mouse hurt the Mickey Mouse hurricane. Wiped out ten thousand people. Yeah. Mickey Mouse today killed ten thousand people. That's a uh, the headline you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, we took a dark tangent here. Let's <laughs> yes, sorry, <Yeah>. Ian. <laughs> Ian, you're so happy that we're on right now. <laughs> it's it's okay. I've got I've got a very dark sense of humor. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you got this. You got this project uh, comes out on the 29th of November, so it'll be out by the time this goes live. Um, um, do, you, do you have any other projects ongoing that you're all working on that you might so like, give a plug or talk about a little bit? Um, so Mark's has. Yeah, so November 29th, the ebook comes out in all stores, and uh, the print copy will roll out on different vendors after that December uh, because the holidays and everything causing delays. Um, and then I have my book, which when, when it comes out as a novel, not the Kindovella series, it'll be published under Cabot Crossing. But that's Obsidian Monsters, which is an urban fantasy series. Right now, it, it's, we're putting up chapters on Kindovella. Yeah, it's on Kindovella right now. Serial fiction. And then, uh, and then I don't know. We'll see about uh, some other collaborative projects, hopefully in, in the future, and talk to people and see if, if I can do some good PowerPoint presentations. 
<laughs> so now, that was a good presentation. Marks, is this the book I is this the book I saw the first draft on? Yes. Right, yes. right at the oh, okay, awesome, oh. awesome. It's really fun. <laughs> talking talking about oh, yeah. another one that sort of defies, you know, tropes and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's urban fantasy, but I try to reimagine it. Well, on the most macro level, it's urban fantasy meets mission impossible, but then I twist around. It's like a, a touch lot of, of leverage stuff. and all kinds of other stuff done. Yeah. So on love and average. Yeah. I've read a bunch of uh, Marx's uh, Vela episodes. They're great. Definitely Thank recommend you. it. Thank you. So who else, everybody else got going on? Yeah. Uh, I also have a, a Kindle Vela series. It's actually an adaptation of my web series, uh, Super Knocked Up, which is an action comedy about a supervillain who gets pregnant by her superhero nemesis and they have to try to raise a baby together. Um, so that's over in Kindle Vela. If you're not familiar with that, I know it's fairly new folks. It's like a serialized way of storytelling. And um, you can always read the first three for free on any Vela series. So yeah. kind of get a get a taste of it. Um, and I'll release that as a, as a book, kind of like Marx is doing later on as well. Um, so uh, I'm working on that, which you can get at supergeekedup.com, which is also where you can uh, find other web shows I do. Um, and in a totally different thing, uh, I also write a geeky comedic erotica so if you want that i write that under a pen name um that's under uh, i write under the name riley rose that's rileyroseerotica.com oh a bunch of books up there and some fun parodies of things like lara croft and knight rider and gi joe and stuff um, <laughs> that's so. awesome there better be some lady j and flint in there i'm just saying uh well there's actually lady j and scarlet no oh. she and flint are yeah. together hey this is not this is not gi joe <laughs> It's a parody of the in the pyramid of darkness stays in the pyramid of darkness. Okay. That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. The Rogers are involved in Lara Croft. That sounds dangerous. I mean, she she had a lot of sharp pointy bits. Never mind. So yes, that's what I'm up to. Okay. And who else? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm currently uh, working on, I guess you'd call it the production stage of my young adult science fiction novel called Academy Bound. Um, going to self-publish that, uh, aiming for next year, and also going to have it on audiobook. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, also have a uh, middle grade adventure book that I'm co-writing with another friend of ours from school. Um, we're just getting into the plotting of that, and hopefully, again, same thing next year, release on that. Um, yeah, but just just plugging away at these projects, and if you want to, you know, keep an eye on what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram, JC Mastro Author, or my website, jcmastroauthor.com. And yeah, love your support. Excited to do this stuff. Oh, I guess I could go next. So yeah, the the. The main thing I have uh, that I could talk about is uh, another middle grade story. It's an urban fantasy about uh, baseball and breaking up baseball curses. So that's it's called 90 Feet from Home. And I am still looking for a home for it, a publishing company to take it on. But it's uh, it's a really fun story, especially if you are um, somebody who likes both fantasy and sports. Um, at least baseball. <laughs> okay, who else has some projects coming? We haven't talked no, to. I him think yet. Sean has said what he's up to next. Exactly. Ah, uh, I'm up to being jealous of all of you for moving stuff forward. Um, <laughs> I'm still. It's, I, I got this story done. I was like, okay, I'm done now. I can relax for the next ten years of pandemic. <laughs> now um, I'm still trying to get back in the groove. Though I will say the the Victorianness of of chasing the dragon kind of tickled something. So I've got got to start on something that I think might turn out to be something. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm hopeful that the, the coming year we'll see a little
little more routine and rhythm and and give me a chance to get back to flexing the creative muscles as opposed to just the, the parenting muscles and the work Surviving. muscles, which are which are, are are yeah, so hyper developed right now that they they look ridiculous. So. Are, where you are, are the kids going back to school or are they taking them out again? They are they are back this year, which has been huge. I say here, I don't think they even pulled the kids out of school at all during the pandemic. No, they went everywhere. the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, ours were home the whole year last year. They oh, didn't no. go. And my and my daughter was yeah. a kindergartner and my son was a second oh. grader, right? No. So it's like how do you have a five year old trying to learn remotely yeah. the whole year? Yeah. 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 Work out great. So yeah. so yeah. So, so I they're so all it's, behind a year basically. Yeah. I, I totally get the parent side of it i'm a stay-at-home dad of four <laughs> so yeah yeah it was a, it was a rough year for sure you need to make video games where it's like mario you have to do two plus two to get through this door what <laughs> yeah, is yeah. it oh, they, yeah. the, they used to have those cheesy learning video games when we were little kids yeah so old, they like, need to, I mean, maybe they do n- still do but they need yeah. to, still, that's how a five-year-old learns yeah they do have a they have a program they have to use i think it's called iReady or something it's supposed yeah. to be math and reading games but they're not all that into it no it's still kind of, kind of lame <laughs> they're like you're totally tricking us into learning i'm on yeah. they're not, <laughs> they're not <laughs> stupid they know i'm right? gonna go play the video games where i smoke cigarettes and drink beer yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and then, you know with kids as soon as you make it a requirement it's, it's not, not, fun, not fun anymore <laughs> that's why you tell them like if you play this math video game you are in so much trouble yeah <laughs> <laughs> i better not hear you doing sums yeah the more the adults try to make it sound cool the less cool it sounds you know i mean it's you just yep. can't if you're over 25 you're not cool i mean <laughs> are you cool if you i don't know i don't recall ever being cool when i was under 25 i never was no. <laughs> yeah uh, but i know myself so I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> I mean, maybe once in a while in the winter time. <laughs> I've got one last fun question for you all, and this one this one's uh, the question of okay, you are geeking out. But uh, you know, what writers, filmmakers, uh, TV producers, or uh, TV shows would you say that you found the most inspiring in terms of um, most informative for the stories, or just in life? Just, just just in life in general, or just just as a writer, you know, what what what's all like. Uh, you know what? What writers and or films or TV shows would you say have, have uh, kind of triggered your creativity and thought hmm, that's a good idea? I might, I might be able to use that and expand on that. <laughs> well, I know for myself, like I, I grew up in the '80s, you know, and all the sci-fi TV that was on, the movies, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, uh, watching reruns of Star Trek with my grandpa. Um, Gosh, I could go on for days, but yeah, Last Starfighter, Dune, the old one, which I liked quite a bit. Thank you. And, uh, you know, just all of that stuff was, I mean, I'd spend the weekend, you know, with VHS tapes of recorded off the TV, just rewatching all this stuff. And for me, like that truly cemented my love of the genre stuff. Um, In fact, I'll even throw another obscure reference in there. I... For me and Dragons, I actually kind of fell in love with Dragons from this old, old Rankin-Bass movie called The Flight of Dragons. And if uh, I think it's actually on Amazon now, so that one's check that out if you can uh, track it down. Um, it's cheesy. It's 1982, but, you know, it, it's a pretty cool portrayal. But, um, yeah, no, and just for me, you know, all of that genre stuff and reading as well, I, it inspired me to want to create this stuff myself. And just get out there and share my imagination and hopefully, if I'm lucky, you know, spark that imagination in somebody else, a young person or or whatever. And, um, you know, that's why I do it. And that's where it all comes from. So, yeah, it's it's been 
it's been fun <laughs> to try and, and recapture all that, you know. But I think that's an important aspect. I think a lot of fans uh, forget that the people that are writing and, and making the uh, stuff are fans too. Absolutely. Good point. Yeah. I'll jump in next then. That's a really good question, Ian. I was just thinking about my childhood. And so I didn't grow up in the United States. I grew up in Kenya. And the books I had access to there were, it was a little bit random, you know, growing up. So I didn't have the same kind of pop culture diet that a lot of, you know, Americans have. Um, I read just whatever I could get my hands on. Um, but I think, uh, so I, I think as an adult, though, you know, much later than maybe a lot of people who like fantasy um, would have discovered, um, I found Terry Pratchett. And I think he was incredibly influential for me because um, for the first time, I realized how you could um, really talk about some really important things using humor um, and and really um, challenging topics, you know, humor and satire. And also that um, if you create an interesting enough world um, that you can revisit it, you don't have to just have, you know, a, a, a series if you don't want to, but you can continue going back to that particular place and have, you know, all kinds of adventures with all sorts of different characters and really build it out um and it can be as absurd or as, as serious as you want to if you get the world building part right um so i think uh in terms of shaping what i thought of as possible um hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy as well mm-hmm. <laughs> as a book <laughs> but that that kind of approach to this uh to, to creating worlds and using humor um i think was very influential for me um yeah so that's that's what i'd highlight cool mm. yeah. I was just going to springboard off that a little bit because um, it was it was very much the same for me that the humor informing uh, the ability to talk about things in a way that um, you know you can address serious issues but you don't have to do it in a serious way um, whether that's you know Monty Python or whatever it might be growing up but it's as I've gotten older the thing I've realized that has informed my my just sort of storytelling sensibility more than anything uh, is going back to, to JC's point about the 80s is Ghostbusters um, yes it's this beautiful mix of you know it's it's hilarious but it's also very subtle and dry and yet there's also this tension and this um this concern for the characters and what's going to happen right and there's this somehow this marriage just comes together and a lot of it's brought out by the performers right it's it's it wouldn't work on the page in the same way that it works on the screen because you've got the performers bringing something to that script that was not in the script right there's an energy and a chemistry that wasn't there um but that sort of balancing of elements to me is about as perfect as a story can get uh and so i think there's always in the back of my head chasing that balance and i'm you know never gonna hit it right um but that's uh that's something to shoot for and something to kind of try to uh, to, to to build toward uh as a writer for me and a storyteller over my career cool and the funny thing about ghostbusters is uh dan Aykroyd who wrote it and, um i think he i think he based it on mm-hmm. on his grandfather's uh his grandfather was a spiritualist yes mm-hmm. he, he also himself he had a he had a special interest in ghosts because uh, one of the things that not it's probably one of the worst kept secrets in Hollywood but one of the things that a lot of people don't realise is uh, Dan Aykroyd is actually on the autism spectrum and uh, his special interest is ghosts so <laughs> you probably wrote that in half an hour yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a uh, actually I think it's on Netflix there's a series called The Movies That Made Us and there's a whole ser- special on Ghostbusters and uh, the whole process behind it and, and everything it's actually started out quite different than, than what we ended up with mm-hmm. it's pretty cool there's also a um, I was watching uh, a show 
uh, the other week, and they, they were showing the alternative takes um, from from um, from before they even had the name Ghostbusters in mind. And I think they 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 use Ghost Blasters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> blasters, breakers. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. So, uh, well, like John, I'm also an '80s kid. Uh, so, uh, like, yeah, absolutely, all that all that sci-fi fantasy stuff I loved growing up. Uh, in, in the 80s and uh, I mean author wise um, definitely when I was a teenager I got really into Piers Anthony who uh, in the Apprentice Adept series though he's probably more famous for his Xanth series um, but just trees, was that trees, trouser trees um, oh yes um, yes <laughs> Uh, and Marks, you should totally read it because you love puns. Uh, lots of lots of puns. Uh, <laughs> but just really fun, fun, humorous fantasy, um, which, which I like. I always like to put uh, humor in all my stories. Uh, comic book side of things, I think Brian Michael Bendis uh, has been an influence on me. Again, he's a great, I think, writer of uh, action and comedy. Um, he had a like a huge run on Ultimate Spider-Man. For, he's, he's done like almost everything at this point, but uh, that's where I read it, most of his Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, and uh, just, yeah, I mean, more in terms of this story, like in college, um, I got really, I had a bunch of Asian roommates. So I got really into uh, martial arts and like being exposed to Jackie Chan and John Woo and Michelle Yeoh and all their films, like a lot of their 90s Hong Kong films. And I was just blown away because it was like... <laughs> Like what we were doing over here is just like not even close to what they were doing oh, yeah. uh, in the East in terms of the action and the amazing things they did. And uh, yeah, so I just I've loved martial arts like action ever since then. And uh, I definitely think inspired the story that I told for this uh, anthology. I mean, I think uh, I think Crouching Tiger, hit, you know, mm-hmm. Hidden Dragon was like the first flavor of, of uh, that sort of martial arts movie that we got here in in the west that, that, yeah, that would definitely probably introduce yeah. more to the mainstream audience for sure yeah yeah jackie chan i remember yeah his early movies those were those were awesome it's insane <laughs> <he does>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I remember watching very very badly uh dub versions of police story back back in the early 80s <laughs> oh yeah police, police story 2 i think is one of his best movies rumble in the bronx yeah <laughs> yeah that was probably the first one in theaters over here in the west actually yeah rumble, his, his. yeah um, so for me, uh, and so I, when it comes to urban fantasy and, and such, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Supernatural are my big ones. Um, I watch a lot of TV, especially sci-fi and fantasy. And, um, and of course, I'm also a child of the 80s, too. Uh, I um, and I read like Dragonlance, Margaret West, Tracy Hickman, played Dungeon Dragons, all that stuff too. I I also try to read up a lot about different mythologies and creatures of different folklore, uh, than just Greek and Roman and Roman and Norse. So they have some pretty funky stuff in there <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm really big into Fili- Filipino martial or uh, I'm big in Filipino martial arts too, but I'm big in Filipino folklore right now because of um, of uh, Treze, that animated uh, urban fantasy. Filipino series has some really interesting. Uh, What's it called? Trese T R E S E. Yeah, and it's it's really good, and it's um and exposed me to a lot of the Filipino uh, folklore and such. So that's something I've been getting really interested in. I want to put into my urban fantasy stories. <laughs> um. So, uh, but more directly for this particular short story. So Julie watches westerns all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> to be fair, I watch other genres as well. <laughs> Same as him. So, uh, so I if I'm not 
not watching them with her. I'm usually like seeing them in the background while I'm doing something else. So like Gunsmoke and Wagon Train, especially those TV shows. Laramie. Laramie and stuff. They got a lot of stuff about Range Wars and stuff. What's really interesting about a lot of the old Westerns too, I thought was cool is that, you know, a lot of them were, were half hour at first and, um, and they did a really excellent job telling a really um, deep story in just 30 minutes. The 30 minute Gunsmoke episodes from the first like seven or so seasons, I swear are the best. They're honest. Yeah, they're usually the better ones really. Um, the other the hour ones drag out a little bit. So it's kind of cool seeing TV try to do that and uh, show you how to do compressed storytelling, I guess. And, you know, for us 80 ki- 80s kids, the young guns, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, really <laughs> young guns. Young writers. Young guns and that TV show, Young Writers. And, and, young Writers. And, yeah, and yeah. Tombstone. I mean, like one oh, of the greatest. That's the best. One of the greatest ever made. Yes. Um, mm. Well, um, I think last question for you is where, where can people see your work? Um, do, do you have any, do you all have websites, uh, social media that you like to give a quick look? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'll start real quick. Uh Markspile.com, so you can find it's kind of a hub for everything. And then, uh, and on Twitter at Mr. Marks. Um, and then you can also look up Cabot Crossing um, accounts everywhere. <laughs> That's Cabot Crossing. <laughs> Those are mostly placeholders right now as I start to fill in content. But yeah. Sure, you can find uh, my stuff at supergeekedup.com. We do a, a weekly uh, sh- geeky improv comedy and chat show. Uh, Marks and John, actually, as when you hear this, they should already have been on. It was amazing. Loved it. <laughs> it, was, it was so awesome. good. My God, you guys were the best guests ever. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much. That thing John t- said about the dog was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Now you got to say something about a dog. Wow, I'm you're it. right. That came out of left field. It was <laughs> I tend to do that. Uh, but some of these other awesome authors will be on our show soon as well. Uh, you can also find the Super Knocked Up link to the Vela on there. And again, if your erotic is your jam, go to RileyRoseErotica.com for some fun erotic parodies. Damn, you're really plugging that one, Jeff. You're really <laughs> that one. Dude, why, why, you, dude, why you keep making it really sexual in windows? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting scared right now. Jeff's getting a bit aroused. You know. Every time I hear your voice, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> That sexy British accent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, like I said, uh, mentioned earlier, uh, I'm on Instagram, JC Mastro Author, and then I have my own website too, jcmastroauthor.com. Yeah, like Marks, they're kind of they're building, so come on by and help me out with that. That'd be great. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I can be uh, found on Twitter and Instagram at Suggestionize, um, and that's probably the best place to find me for now i do have a website but it's it's there's not much there so <laughs> twitter <laughs> twitter and instagram are probably the best yeah katherine dow at suggestionize uh and I, I think i mentioned earlier uh sean gibson author.com is the the place to go for all things me and that's sean spelled the correct way s-e-a-n <laughs> um for anyone who is wondering uh but also uh i do like to hang out on twitter and drop a lot of really bad puns um and my twitter handle is at gibnight g-i-b-k-n-i-g GHT. So please, if you are a bad pun lover. Yep. I, I follow him. I'm already a follower. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Ian. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah this you. is Absolutely. awesome, Ian. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you guys for coming on. It's been great having you on. And, uh, you know, we, we'll be back with more shows, um, and, you know, probably after Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, enough. All right, thanks. Ciao. Adios. Bye, everybody. Peter's in.